A few weeks back, God began doing something phenomenally beyond anything we could ask for or, or imagine in our community. Um, two weeks ago, a buddy of mine is uh, getting excited about his church's uh, baptisms. Uh, they're called going public, right? Going public. That's what they call their baptisms, and they do them every so often. They have like a day of going public. And, and this particular guy, some of you know, this is Jason uh, Kilby. And this particular day, uh, I was pretty excited for him because his son was one of the uh, baptisms, one of the going publics, right? And so this is now three weeks ago Sunday, and, and, and they had 10 people lined up to baptize, right? And so they have their worship. God takes over. They start baptizing these 10 people. And, and by about 1230, uh, they were on their 22nd baptism. All right? And I'm just like, yeah, my guy, yeah. And so I, I, I send him a note and just tell him I'm excited for him. I, I'm, 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 I'm happy for him. And he just said, dude, when can we connect? And we couldn't make it happen. And so the next Sunday, he's got all this stuff that happens in the week because he gets a call on Monday from a guy that says, I know you asked and I know I couldn't do it and I couldn't sleep. So I got to do it. And I want, I want, I want in. And they hadn't drained the big tub that they've got. And, and so by, by Tuesday afternoon, they've got four more. All right. And so they have another, uh, you know, going public Sunday, the Sunday after that. So a week ago. And, and they were going to baptize these four. And by Sunday, they knew about six. And before they're done with the service, they've baptized 12 more. All right. And they've got four more scheduled for two weeks from today because that's when one person was able to do it. And, and, and what happened in the second week was there was this lady who, and he said, I knew her first name, but she had been connected through uh, Sarah and she comes forward and says what she wants. And he generally asks two questions. So she's in the pool and she is pouring out. And here's all he told me. He said, pouring out publicly, woman at the well stuff out loud. And she's bawling by the end of this, just crying out for Jesus and in the story, you figure out that she's never had the connection. She's never had the family. She's been doing this on her own. And before she's finished, Jason looks up from his tears and there are 30 people around her. And he said, man, the church came to her. And I was like, tell me. I'm in Cain's screaming like I'm in a worship service. I'm like, yeah. Sorry. I'm waving at Robbie at the drive-thru. <laughs> Just Jesus stuff, chicken fingers. <laughs> I wasn't a Chick-fil-A, so I guess it wasn't real. <laughs> All right, and, and, and so, I, I kid you not, this is going on. He's telling me all this stuff. Yesterday, a guy that I know, and I'll tell you exactly how I met him. I was sitting in McDonald's drive-thru, and the car in front of me had a bumper sticker on it with a phone number, that said knife sharpening. Y'all know I love my, my, you know, and I, you know, so 
I call this brother up. I was behind him in the car line. And turns out he was a student at Asbury in the seminary and had been struggling through some things that were going on in some house churches there. So he's starting to deal with both church hurt and with his call into ministry. And so this guy's sharpening my knives and we're building a relationship. And he takes off for a church, um, calls me, um, we talk through the process. We talk through what he's looking for. I, I don't know why he, I don't know why he's calling me to be honest. We didn't have a, you know, we don't have a, I mean, he's calling me. So he goes to this church and he gets, he gets eaten alive. I mean, I, I don't even know the name of the church. Don't need to, neither do you. The, the point of the story is he is hurt by this congregation and chewed up and spit out and back at his mother-in-law's house three states away. About two months ago, three months ago, I guess, I, I read on Facebook that he's, he's, he's landed at a church in a, in, in, a, in a city that I love, Athens, Georgia. All right, I love Athens. I've preached four or five revivals there. It's my favorite college town. No offense to Lexington, Athens is awesome. All right, and so, but I hadn't heard from him till yesterday. Yesterday, after these stories, he calls me up and he says, dude, I was like, hey, dude, what's up? I said, you're having a big time, aren't you? He said, you saw that? I said, yeah. He said, man, I'm nervous. I said, well, talk to me about it. Here's what happened. He is getting ready to do the first sermon that he's gonna do at the new church. He's not the pastor, all right? He's an associate or a youth. We didn't even talk about it. I just know that he's getting ready to preach a sermon. And he felt led by God to go to the thrift store because he was preaching on Jesus's baptism. He felt led to go to the thrift store and buy clothes and towels. So he goes and he buys these clothes and towels. And on the way, he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call my pastor because I don't want to do this behind his back. And I want him to know. Pastor calls him before he can. Here's what he says to him. Hey, man, do you want to give a baptism call at the end of the service Sunday? He says, you'll never guess where I'm on my way to. All right. So they have a moment. He's excited. They've at the thrift store. A girl asks what he's doing and is set to be baptized at their church today at the end of the service from wearing clothes that he went to buy. Yes, just yes. I want to be the pastor of a church that is excited that everybody else is seeing God move. That is not something we should be jealous of. It's not something we should turn our backs up to. It's not something we should, we should uh, not think is just amazing. God's people are joining the kingdom. God is moving and that is good news. It is good news. And as I'm preparing today, now, it's not because I don't have the courage. It's because Jesus didn't say, you, you don't think I want to, you know, start running water while we're having worship. You know what I'm saying? Just turn it on and let it go. But there's also a part of me that, that, that knows that we are emotionally driven people, right? We don't want to be, we don't want to force any move of God, right? But I believe with all my heart 
we are where we are in the message, in Luke. Like, I, I, can't, I can't force this to happen, you guys. I believe we are where we are today. And I believe I'm connected to Jason and I'm connected to William because I was supposed to tell those two stories to my church today. That's what I'm sure of. Now, let's read. Two other men, this is, we're backing up. We did this little section last week. We're gonna do it again as an introduction. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers sneered at him and they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, offered him wine, vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him, which read king of the Jews. Backing up just to get context on the, the point of each of these. All right, the point of each of these. Jesus was, the people were offered a way out, okay? But they didn't take it. Release Barabbas, crucified Jesus. So they flog him nearly to death. They make him carry his cross. They take him to the place of the skull, all right? And they hang him between two criminals, okay? All right, a thief and a murderer is the prevailing notion here. One on his right and one on his left. The first thing that we know Jesus says as he is mocked, as he is jeered, as he is made fun of, as he's dying, as he is crucified, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. It was their selfishness, their stupidity, their sin nature that caused them to be separated us in the beginning. And from the beginning, you have known, I have known, we have known that it was going to culminate right here with forgiveness incarnate. And for forgiveness to occur, the body must be broken. The sacrifice must be altered. The lamb must be slain. Not only, God, am I asking you to pour forgiveness out on them, I'm asking you to help me follow through. Father, through this action, forgive them. And they divided his clothes. They cast lots for his trophies, just like the Old Testament said they would. Prophecy. The people stood watching and jeered at him. Isn't it always the mob mentality to jump on board, to climb up no matter what and join everybody else in whatever everybody else is doing right or wrong? They sneered at him. Save yourself. We talked about this last week. The idiots, the common folk, the rulers, everybody is saying, in order to prove who you are, Save yourself. They don't understand that the ultimate proof of who I am is saving you. 
Oh, it doesn't, getting down wouldn't prove anything. It's staying here that proves everything. And the soldiers mocked him and offered him wine vinegar. Again, prophesied just as they said it would. Save yourself, he is king of the Jews. We are at the ultimate place where the crowd, as we know it, has now joined in, okay? We're gonna see it change in just a minute. The crowd joins in and God gives us a photograph. For those of you who are under 30 years old, I'm gonna use a word you may not understand. God takes a Polaroid, okay? Back in the day, we used to have these big chunky cameras that spit photos out and you waved them. That's why there's a song that says, shake it like a Polaroid picture. And eventually the picture would come up. I know they made new ones and they're itty bitty, yes. The picture is of an innocent man hanging on a cross on one side is one man, on the other side is another man. It's a picture that by his words, Jesus tried to describe all through his ministry. There will be goats and there will be sheep. There will be wheat and there will be chaff. There will be a narrow way and there will be a broad way. There will be light and there will be darkness. There will be a broad gate and there will be a narrow gate. Over and over again, he is clear. There is one on this side and one on this side. And how it plays out is everything. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. I believe the crowd. I believe the crowd. The sound, the words are of the crowd. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and me. One says, you are who they say you are. You're not who you say they're not. Show me something. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Wait, what? Don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? Do you hear what's in there? Don't you fear God because you are under the same sentence? There are only three people there who are under sentence. The guy he's talking to, the guy talking, and the guy in the middle. There's a recognition of who's hanging next to him. Then he says, we are punished justly. Confession. For what we are getting, for what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. The spotless, sinless lamb. Another recognition. Then he said, remember me when, and I've preached on this passage, remember me when you come into your 
kingdom. Let's be perfectly clear. This verse and the next verse answers one of the greatest questions in Christianity. Okay? The answer is clear. It is not a theological debate at all. There is a man in heaven today who was not baptized, did not go under, did not come up, did not slip into the pearly gates, who was told by the mouth of God himself today. I don't have to, in order for you to remember something, you have to get past it, right? For you to remember, you, you, something happens here, you've got to get here and then you can look back on it. Jesus the comfort level in the first word is beyond our understanding because we're not physically dying at this moment, all right? He says, remember me when? And Jesus says, not gonna be a when, today. Today, you will be with me. Today, you will be with me, the ultimate gift, in paradise, okay? In paradise, in the expected location in the place where we go in the heavenly realms. You will be with me beyond here. You will be with me beyond here. Why does a criminal justly crucified by his own admission end up in heaven? Why? The same reason anyone ends up in heaven. Not because they were a Baptist. Not because they were a Catholic. Not because they were wiped on as a baby. Not because they were dunked as an adult. Not because they um, went to church camp. Not because they wore a t-shirt. No other reason than this. A humble realization of who God is. Jesus, a humble realization of who you are. Remember me. A humble request, a humble request that says nothing about anything he deserves. When a future knowledge that you are who you say you are, your kingdom, I know exactly who you are. People who get into heaven, understand that they do not deserve it, that Jesus is the way to it and honor him through it. That's it. I am not being exclusive. I am not being selfish. I am not saying I am better than anyone. I am saying the Bible, true from the beginning of time, planned from the beginning of time, right from now till the middle, till the end of all eternity, simply says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way, the end. You can't buy it. You can't serve it. You can't tithe it. You can't uh, children it. You can't ride somebody else's faith on it. You have Jesus or you do not. He who has the Son has life. He does not have the Son of God, does not have life. And there's a picture of it on a hill before a death because before death, you got to figure it out. I am a sinner. 
I need a Savior. And you're it. Come on. Come on. And you guys have probably, if you have Facebook at all, you've probably seen the, the video of Alistair Begg. And if you haven't, type in when you get home, Alistair Begg, the man in the middle. Because they go through all of these theological things when the, when the criminal on the cross gets to heaven and Simon Peter says, well, why are you here? Where's your ticket? Where'd you go to church? How many theological debates were you involved in? How many people did you get saved? How many times were you baptized? Were you Methodist? Did you have a good preacher? Did you have a good teacher? And the guy says, I don't know any of those things. What are you doing here? The man on the middle said, I could. It's beautiful. That's a fast version, but it's beautiful. You get into heaven, I get into heaven, we get into heaven because the man in the middle said we could. And if you believe that, you're in. And if you do not believe that or are not willing to confer that or are not willing to say that out loud, remember me when you get into your kingdom, you don't get in. Well, that's selfish. No, it's not. It's real. It's true. Water's wet, the sky's blue. Jesus is. It's real. And it was now noon. Three hours in, it is now noon. Do you remember when Jesus said, hey, you're gonna, get your, you're gonna get your moment? Remember that? We preached on it and I said, Jesus, Jesus is gonna let them have their moment. It's gonna look bad. It's gonna get dark. You ready? You're getting ready to get another picture. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. The light went out. Satan starts dancing. The crowd shuts up. Ready for this? And the curtain is ripped open. This is a really awkward moment for everyone. What, 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 did, what, did, what, what did we just do? For three hours, they stand in the dark going, where'd the sun go? And what just happened to the giant curtain in the temple? And here's the answer. I did what I said. I gave you access. Come on. The sun stopped shining. The curtain was torn in two. And Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. At the death of Jesus, the lights went out and the curtain was torn. This is how you get in. The curtain separated all the common people from the holy of holies, where the priest would atone for the sins of everyone else. Jesus is saying, nobody got to atone for you. Trust me, I just did. But you got to trust me. It's great. It's so good. The centurion, okay? Seeing what had happened, this is, this is the biggest oh moment ever. The centurion, 
time out. This is the guy who oversaw the execution, okay? So the guy that oversaw the spiritual trial says he's innocent. <laughs> the guy that oversaw the political trial says he's innocent, but they still gave him up, Pilate Herod. Now the guy who oversaw his death, the top guy in the, in the, in the legal system who oversaw his death says, oh, surely this was a right, was a righteous man. Roro Raggy. That's, that's a loose translation, but it's close. Roro. When all the people, Ralph, who were gathered witnessed the sights that took place, they beat their chests and went away. Oh my goodness, what have we done? But those who knew, including the women who had followed him, stood watched. Now their story's coming. But this story is simple. Hundreds of thousands of years before these things took place, several books by several prophets in several countries said it would go down exactly like it went down. It went down. He went down. Don't, 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 don't deny that. Don't, he, he did. He went down. Because he had to. Because he was supposed to. Because they set it up that way. And whether or not you believe that is everything. It is everything. Because if you don't believe it, life ends very, very badly. And if you do believe it, life doesn't end. Make no mistake, both paths are eternal. But one side will wish they weren't. What have I done? Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. I'm, I mean, every, every pastor, every minister, every small group leader, every child, every teenager, every head bowed and every eye closed. There are children, teenagers, adult men and adult women in this room right now who know full well that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, that they are going to split hell wide open and that they want to know that they're free and that God died for them. I just want to give you an opportunity to say, hey, I, I, I want to go public. I want to take the stand the thief on the cross took. I want to say in front of everyone, I believe that he is who he says he is. So right here, right now, 
If you, listen very carefully, if you have never gone public, if you have never given your life to Jesus, if you have never said, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, and Jesus is that guy, and you want to get in the pool, you want to go public, you want to be saved and spend an eternity with Jesus in paradise, would you do me a favor right now? Would you throw your hand up in the air and then pull it right back down? I will see it, I will pray for you. Anybody, anywhere, I want to go public. I want, I want Jesus in my heart and in my life. I will open the pool for you in a couple of weeks and we will do that. But I just want to know if God is doing that here with you. Awesome. Anybody, anywhere. If you've already moved, I've already seen you. Awesome. Now, God, would you move in these people who know the story to tell the story so that we might have full hearts, full pools, full pews, and a growing kingdom. Today, you can be with me in paradise. These things we pray in a prayer of thanks in Jesus' name and amen.